Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here we are. It is Rob the Bank with the A to Z of festivals. And uh, a little bit of background to this. I can't sort of um, pretend that the uh, past hasn't happened. And I'm joined by Bob Wilson from Greenpeace, who's, uh, whose phone is going off. And he's looking embarrassed about that. But I should be the one looking embarrassed because last time I came to interview Bob, I recorded one of my best podcasts, not because of me, but because of the person I was speaking to who was Bob and is Bob and I something went wrong with my technology and it failed and we ended up with absolutely nothing this was high summer when Bob was completely being pulled to pieces by uh, the festivals and uh, yeah so it was a little bit of an annoying thing in my 25 years of broadcasting to happen but we're back we're back Bob has forgiven me he's given me a big hug and everyone's friends again is that true Bob? Absolutely yeah love it to pieces okay you're, you're a star and thank you for doing it again so Bob um, if you don't know him um, well if you go to Glastonbury if you go to Latitude Camp Festival this year um, WOMAD you, you may well have seen Bob down at the Greenpeace um, pop up if you will and Bob I mean what, what is your job description uh, I guess I'm head of events for Greenpeace um, which at this time of year has been mainly to do with uh, the festivals season yeah, which we've been doing for a long time So last time we spoke, you were just, um, well, I saw you at Glastonbury, we'd just come out of that, and you were just getting ready for Latitude Camp Festival, WOMAD, so you had a, a, a crazy summer out in the fields. Hmm. Good summer? It was good, yeah, it was good. It was mostly kind, the weather was good. Um, we had a few new kind of initiatives, I guess, so people were kind of ready for it, we were ready for it. Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, it's hard work, but we had a good time. We did three kids' festivals, which uh, is kind of not new, but important to us now because, you know, 
we, I think the kids are like uh, tomorrow's world, the future. Not only are they future Greenpeace supporters, hopefully, but also they have a, a say now in our future, or they should have, and I think we're going to see that shortly when they all come out on September the 20th. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Greenpeace could not be more important at the moment. It's, um, you know, politics, green issues, ecology, um, kids' futures. It's, you know, it's so relevant. And maybe to people that aren't, aren't um, totally au fait with Greenpeace, you know, is your tagline uh, protecting the earth through positive action? It's one of them, yeah. 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 But it's also looking after nature and diversity and peace and, you know, the whole thing about clean air, clean water. Peaceful planet, yeah, yeah, our core values, uh, and it is literally, you know, what what everyone in the world needs to uh, listen to now and to, and to tap into. So, I mean, we'll we'll get back into festivals because obviously that's what the podcast sort of revolves around. We'll talk about some of the festivals you've done this year, but just take us back to um, the first glass to well to 1991, was it when you started at Greenpeace? That's the first one that Greenpeace did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I did I did ones before well, before that in the 70s actually. <laughs> but that was the first one that when Michael invited uh, Greenpeace to come to help them at uh, Glastonbury, which didn't sell out in those days. So we, uh, I think he liked, well, before that, obviously everybody knew, I think, knows it was CND and Michael thought that the Cold War was just about over and wanted something that was broader and more to do with the environment, which was a kind of a, you know, beginning to be, you know, I wouldn't say fashionable, but more people were involved and in, were aware of, of you know, the problems we were having with nature. So our Greenpeace kind of liked our supporters, we liked them at, at Glastonbury. And in those days, we actually kind of manned the Porsche cabins and we, um, we helped with the ticket sales and the promotion. Yeah, so it didn't sell out. And I, stories of people pushing around supermarket trolleys with a cash over the site, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we just, yeah, we just rocked up and started. Um, we actually started with just selling a bit of merchandise, which just seemed to be like a good thing to do to get us started. And we moved on and on and on and ended up, yeah, where we are now with quite a big field to fill full of features and things. But yeah. in between that, we did, uh, we did, I think we did the first kind of, um, the first rave really the first um, we had a dome there with, with lights and sounds in it nobody could get in they just stood outside and so we had a great time we did the first internet cafe there which were <laughs> funny stories about that but anyway, it was full of kids in the end all Apple's just come out and we had all their computers and they were doing an internet cafe with the kids and then somebody put up this uh, was running it in this lovely uh, petal dome uh, yurts which all joined together and somebody then put up this sort of smiley neon sign up in the air and I went uh uh and realised that it wasn't quite just an internet cafe all sorts of other things were going on but <laughs> uh, we did the first pedal pad stage there as well I think called Alternative Energy so yeah it sort of developed and developed and grew and grew and grew and each year we tried to do something new something different but it was always an action led field it was always there and it always changed we tried to do something new every year which is different from a lot of people that go to to festivals we tried to make it different and um, we always had a sort of message a campaign message or an activity sort of to do and to sign up lots of new supporters which we which we do and I mean yeah I saw you at the 2019 um, edition that we've just had and it was glorious uh, sunbaked Glastonbury uh, which is always nice uh, uh. and you know I was absolutely gobsmacked and blown away when I arrived I brought my kids for the first time and uh, we, we, the first place we were like, let's go to the Greenpeace kids um, field because that's where we can just sort of get our bearings, chill out, tell the kids about where they are. 
And, um, you know, we turned up and I've never seen Greenpeace looking so buzzy. I think it was on the Thursday mm. afternoon and all through the weekend, you know, amazing music programming, some incredible spaces there. I mean, is that the biggest Greenpeace presence you've had? I think so. We almost got it the year before, but this year we kind of got used to the fact that we were going to get absolutely rammed. So we kind of laid out the field just slightly differently. So it allowed, allowed sort of movement. Of course, the, the tree there, which everyone's still talking about, was just amazing. Just the music coming out of that and the fact that people stayed there till three in the morning, which which was great. Uh, the drop slide right in the front of the field, which was a sort of a showstopper in a way, made people stop and the kids were there, the climbing mm. stuff. Yeah, so the, the, I mean, yeah, so you had this massive tree, yeah. what was that like 50, 60 foot high? Yeah. Probably yeah. Um, yeah. with was it plastic bags kind of coming off it looking like it was actually they managed to go and get the stuff that carpets come sort of uh, when you see those sort of carpet, carpet things coming off off the carpets they managed to go and get loads of that so it was recycled basically and they made the kind of designs our art people it was amazing how that how that happened there was so many people yeah. working on it to make it happen and to with the DJ booth in the bottom because I actually DJ'd yeah. in that on the, uh, on, the th- on the Thursday as well yeah. and yeah. then yeah the drop slide incredible kind of um, very scary looking people access sort of dangle out over the top of it on a sort of iron bar vertical, didn't they yeah it's and a then, vertical drop and yeah which is, which is pretty scary yeah and there were people at the bottom going through 10, 9, 8, 7 countdown people <laughs> who were too scared and in the end most of them did it some of them turned back but a lot of them did in fact Michael's PA Aoife came and uh, launched it because she was always left behind so we got her there to open it and she came and there's a great picture of her being the very first one down it and she was absolutely thrilled because she said everybody else comes and opens your field and I always get left behind so we made a point of getting her oh. there and she really loved it and then Michael and Emily turned up as well so we had a great opening day did you get Michael on the drop slide? no he didn't but he was <laughs> <laughs> he always told me he likes slides, so it's partly don't do it partly for him. But um, so when Michael comes round, you know, to to each person's specific um, yeah. area of Glastonbury, which obviously yeah. there are many, is it is it like everything? Everyone downs tools, the red carpet comes out, or is it just like business? No, it's pretty usually? regular, really. We just love to see him, and, and Emily comes and brings the kids, and they, they they had they I think they had a look at the drop slide, and the kids were doing a bit of the climbing stuff, and it's really good that they come and and open it for us, and uh, you know, we it's our chance to say thank you. To them for having us there, which gives us the opportunity to talk to all those lovely people. Some of which were already probably Greenpeace supporters and may not have met anybody face to face, and some of them may think that we're still a bunch of sort of sandal wearing, long haired hippies, which of course underneath it we are, but you know, <laughs> not just that, more hippies, and that's wrong with that. Uh, but yeah, they meet somebody and, and, and we talk to them about, you know, thanking them for their support, and then others we talk to about joining us. So um, it's so, great that they come and, and they have a look around and they, you know, they come back more than once quite often because it is it's a very light it's almost like a mini festival within a festival it definitely had that feeling this year yeah and so so with michael is is his involvement just giving you the platform to kind of shout about the great stuff you're doing or is it you know is there financial as well do you get michael's always given us a a good donation and i'm tasked with trying to maintain and spend as as little of that as possible on the field but um it's as it's grown so much now and there's yeah there's nearly 500 people involved in our field this year and we went to do we do a little bit of trading, but trading with a, with a purpose. So our cafe was um, was entirely sort of plant based. It was quite ambitious in a way, and some quite interesting stories around all the food that we were selling there. Yeah, and the, and the kitchen there was kind of a recycled kitchen, wasn't it? So it's old bits of kitchens sort of salvaged from other kitchens. Well, there. a lot of the a lot of the field is reused time and time again. But yeah, some of that equip, equipment had come from an old school. Actually, it was an old school dining room, which we ah, school, dinner. school dinners school dinners dragged out all the equipment a massive sort of 
huge stuff, <laughs> like sort of Chevrolets, American cars in a way. But anyway, so yeah, that was that. But then a lot, lot of thought had gone into where the food had come from. It was local, it was organic, it was plant-based. It was kind of some very quirky stories. But the mushrooms, for instance, which are apparently grown inside a container that was full of coffee granules, and they just shoved that in, put some spores in it, closed the door, opened it weeks later, and out came these amazing mushrooms. And wow. everything that was there had a sort of backed up with a really quirky story. story so yeah. it wasn't, and then we talked to everybody about, you know, what's happening with uh, with farming, with the land, with agriculture, with dairy. It's a bit weird in a, on a dairy farm, actually offering dairy milk this time as a default position because everybody was on oat milk nobody complained and yeah that was quite it's an interesting debate going on actually about the whole um situation with our with our food how it where it comes from um that brexit's going to be massive on that as well but you know we are we are seriously now talking about food um where it comes from and also about land and agriculture and wild rewilding it and nature it's 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 a big debate now which is long overdue yeah i mean i was going to touch on that as a side point because there are a few festivals have gone kind of meat free um don't offer really meat meat options from the traders um no boomtown have been talking about that have you do you think there's a glastonbury greenpeace conversation going on there the thing every time we come up at glastonbury is so big it's so many people so diverse in terms of you know when anything happens there it's a little bit slower because it's big numbers you know so even on the plastics thing which is a massive thing this time for the first time you know there was no no plastic reserve single-use plastic coming on or allowed and that was that was a huge step in a way and everybody had to sort of you know line up and 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 get real and even coca-cola were forced literally forced to to not bring any plastic on site and they, they resisted it for quite a while you know so in the end it was like well you know you bring cans or you like bring it all it, yeah and they did you know so that was, that was a big step for something like that you know i mean it really did feel that was my 22nd glastonbury or something and it really felt like there was very little litter such a huge sort of change in how people treated the site and then the photos of the um, campsites yeah. um, that was compared to some other festivals in the country and I, you know Bestal used to look like a total rubbish dump so at, at times you know you've, you've just it's it's very hard to educate the crowd but I think um, Glastonbury did do an incredible they did and in, in, I mean, before they checked their facts a lot of the red top papers all sort of started to criticise it and say look at this look at that you know without checking their facts and then it turned out that something like I think it was 93% were taking a rubbish had, had gone you know so yeah. I think the weather did help the weather does help yeah does we should add we should yeah. add that yeah <laughs> you know, other festivals we did there was um, there was good and bad and you know sweet and sour <laughs> mixed pleasure so just recounting because I know people love we, we love talking about Glastonbury we will get on to some other festivals but um, Glastonbury of the past I think you were telling me that the Dalai Lama had once been to the um, cafe in, we, in we Greenpeace we gave to the Dalai Lama lunch one year we were, we were absolutely well, privileged in a way uh, it was absolutely amazing in fact one of our action previous Greenpeace active action coordinators was went off and ran the Free Tibet sort of uh, organisation so she was so thrilled when I invited her to come and have uh, have, have lunch with the Dalai Lama it was actually was weeping you know it was amazing the old alley that was great yeah and it, previous to that Prince Charles had come and, and visited us and then the year after the Dalai Lama Jeremy Corbyn came and sat with us and had lunch and wrote his speech actually while he was having lunch or afterwards in a corner. Jeremy Corbyn did. Put the finishing touches to his speech which he then delivered from the, the pyramid stage. Yeah. Which was then 
went well, really. It was amazing, yeah. So, and the Dalai Lama, what did he have for, for lunch? Uh, they sent me all sorts of things. We, we were really worried about it, but he's got a whole bunch of people that come along and, and help out and, and say what you can and can't do. And he had soup and a roll. Okay. Did someone <laughs> yeah, taste no, it before? Is it like no, a beef eating no, situation? No, they didn't, but he come up. It's quite amazing. He wandered around for quite a while, and he stroked over his beards, including mine, and he said, do you think I should grow one like that? Seeing he's completely bald, it's quite funny, really. He was fascinated. <laughs> he said, there's a lot of people with grey hair around you and beards. He said, do you think <laughs> I should grow one? <laughs> well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he was great. It was amazing. That was, that was wonderful. Yeah, and we wondered who we were going to get this year. And of course, we got David Attenborough, but nobody told us. And uh, he just appeared for 10 minutes on the stage, I think. And wow. Made a, Job done. A bit of a, a plug for his, for his, for his TV <laughs> and his films. And I think, anyway. Yes. Well, they are very good TV shows. They're very good. <laughs> the more people who watch it, the more it helped. Because, you know, obviously Blue Planet and the whole plastic stuff was, was you know, really given a huge, great boost by yeah. what he did. It was a magnificent moment. I just wish he they'd stayed a bit longer and said just a little bit more. But um, yeah. it was it was inspirational, but not quite on the same level as, uh, as, as some of the other speakers. No. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. So, I mean, I saw you on the Sunday, I think, at Glastonbury and the, the Greenpeace showers had sadly had to be turned off because of the, the water supply yeah. of the whole site was kind of yeah. drying up temporarily yeah. at times and it just brought into focus the whole, you know, it was, it was almost like a perfect um, analogy of what's going on in the world and uh, the sort of irony of that. Yeah, I just finished doing feedback actually. This very just before we came, in, my last words were about that, where I said, you know, oh my God, you know, the, the fact that they closed the showers on to our big showers, it's probably only public showers, the big public showers on the site really, and a lot of the site crew use them as well. So they were really disappointed. But Saturday they came along and went, you know, sorry, you got closed. And I think they also told all the BBC and the Porter Cabbies, the Winnebago's, everything else. They, they tried to go around as many as possible and say, you've got clothes, you've got clothes. Because obviously, if the festival runs out of water, it's, it's game over, you know. So they were really worried that the reservoir just wasn't 
you know, it wasn't filling up fast enough. It had gone down over the, the day before mm. and it wasn't filling up at the rate that they could guarantee. So, you know, fair enough, we closed it down. The annoying thing was they didn't tell me then when it was, when that was, when that was over, that curfew was over, if you like, and they didn't come back and tell me. So they remained closed for the rest of the festival, whereas we could have opened again on Saturday morning. Oh, and there were a lot of rather upset kind of rather dirty people, sweaty people. Coming, coming and asking us for information and we couldn't tell them and, and they were a bit disappointed so that was, that was a shame but God, on, on the scale of things I mean it was it was kind of a small thing and, and luckily the, the reservoirs did reach a level uh, they'll look back at it and they'll find out what, what we can do about it but you know, that could happen to any, anything anyone you know you can't win with Glastow it's either too much rain or not enough yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um, before we leave Glastow tell us about the long drops full of frogs well, we got, yeah, I remember one year, the long drops near us, we all arrived there and they'd just been put in because they were dry and we looked down into it and there was this poor frog right at the bottom wondering how it would get out, you know, and we all went, oh no, the frog. Or something landed on its head. <laughs> yeah, but we managed to uh, to drop something down and we rescued it and we were very pleased that we'd rescued this frog that had <laughs> been in there for a long time or fallen in and we rescued it and it was... It was quite a nice story, really. I don't know what it changed into, but anyway, it's very pleased that we <laughs> got it out. But um, I think there's other stories of things that have fallen into the uh, into the long drops, including people, maybe. Yeah, people, phones, <laughs> got the people phones. stuff that must come out of the lost property of after yeah. the yeah. toilet's been cleaned. So, okay, so let's let Parker Glastow for a, for a bit. So, I mean, I was t- been talking to a lot of people on these podcasts about what. Um, you know, customers can actually do to help, um, and sort of reflecting on this year, like what, what sort of are there a couple of things that you think of how people can help this situation themselves, from water to keeping the site green to you know the whole bigger picture of climate change, sharing, sharing cars, you know, transport to the show. You, know, you look at you look at what's being done, what's being talked about. It's, it's kind of getting that 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 information out to people in a way that they kind of respond, that they can do something about it, and that they kind of they hear about it in the first place. Because there's not an awful lot of education goes on during the festivals, and unless people get on the websites, unless they're serious and go through it, they're not going to find out about it. You know, so I mean, being there at some of the smaller festivals where. You know, there's definitely a whole sort of emphasis on on being more sustainable, more green. I think they do get the message because they're kind of prime. They want to go there in the first place because it's got it's that sort mm. of festival, you know. Yeah. But we just did, for instance, we just did download um, an eco camper download, which is the second year we've done it, and very very popular, but only for a, a limited number of people. You know, and we 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 left the site which was particularly muddy, but the the, the whole eco side of it was was completely clear. I mean, there was hardly a tissue left, and the other side of the fence, which was supposed to be like quiet camping, was complete trash city again. You know, but so people could sign up just to be in just your to eco be camp there, during had, the weekend, and they had to sign up to be to behave in a certain way, and and, and, and you know, like clear up their own litter, um, take away everything that they brought. You know. Um, Things like that. So, and, they, and in doing that, they were giving like a few extras, you know, a few little bits of like 
campsite luxury, if you like. You know, okay. Better news, a, sort of, a nice little cafe, a little mirror. So Europe. that might expand in future years. Well, well, what we want to say about that is that all campsites one day should be like that. You know, there's no reason why they can't be. But it, it needs, it's a double, it's a two-edged thing. No, it's a partnership, you know, it takes two to tango. So the organisers, festival organisers, have got, to, have got to step towards that. And then they've got to kind of get the word out to the people that come. But that's that's what it's going to be like, and sometimes it's take it or leave it. If it's a big change, you know, like like no meat or no dairy, or whatever, they, uh, they've got to sign up to that before they kind of leave home in a way. And, and the festival organisers have got to take a step towards them as well, and that doesn't always happen. And do, and do you go to festivals all summer and just sort of bang your head against the fence and fence panel and go, well, God, why why don't they just do this? I mean, do, do you well, see? Well, no, we speak up in a way, you know, we would go, we would take that up with the organisers and say, you know, you've got to try a bit harder, you've got to do a bit better. And a lot of them know it and they're sort of aware of the cost. They say, well, it's, it's going to cost more to be that green, but it really isn't in a way. And if they can keep something there that's a bit different, a bit special, then I think the festival goers will, will, will appreciate it and they'll, they'll return, you know, whereas if it gets more shabby, more scruffy, you know, it will, it will, a, it will attract a different sort of person to go there in the first place, and you'll end up with you know a festival that's probably you know isn't isn't that great. Um, you know, whereas the other ones will will start will will, will, will they'll maintain their place and they'll actually improve and they'll actually keep going. Whereas you yeah. know, quite a lot of festivals do close down because they can't make it. No, um, no sure, not all like it's not all roses. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. So, I mean, we were, we were lucky enough to have you guys back at, um, at our show camp, camp festival, and I mean, you you know, you yourself on the ground with your team, quite a small team, you know, building these amazing things, skate ramps, cafes, you know, activations and stuff, and big walls, big info signs on them, you know, hopefully educating people. Did you, do you actually ever get out of that area at any any of the festivals and get to see other acts? You know, do you get to see enjoy the festivals themselves? Yeah, a little bit. There's usually somebody there that we know, or somebody playing that we like, or there's another, there's another, you know, another tribe if you like doing something that we quite like. So we, we do get around a bit. Glasgow is harder because, as I say, it's like a mini festival yeah. in the festival. But some of the other festivals, we do go out and meet our friends. Yeah, and some of them, our crews, you find that the Glasgow crews go out and do other things. They're at Boomtown, they're at Camp Festival, you know. So we go and meet our mates there, and they're doing something slightly different, which is great. We did have we did have a little dance together to Nile Rogers, didn't we? We did. We did had a little moment away from the mayhem. I mean, and so, you know, for, for people who go to festivals a lot, you know, the, some of the problems are how to get enough sleep, how to pace yourself. You know, you're right at the forefront of this because you're sort of overseeing festival, um, micro festivals within festivals. How, how, mm. What's your advice on that, you know? Oh, I don't know. We do it, It's 24-7 for us in a way, you know. And I don't know. We don't go to the festivals to get a good night's sleep. I've always said <laughs> sleep when you die. I think we said to told me. So I don't know, really. I mean, some of our crew do get a little bit. They, they do party hard and then, you know, we have a job sort of getting them up in the morning. Um, do you have to sort of sit them down on the Thursday and say, no, come on, guys. Yeah, pace yourself, pace really. Yourself. And we've had people go feral, which we call go feral, you know. Um, that's quite interesting. We had a guy actually from Greenpeace once who was in the accounts who was absolutely straight as a die and um and ended up we took him to Glastonbury. Um he wasn't and anyway, we turned back. We came back to the office with green hair, and completely changed his life, <laughs> and it was hilarious in a way. But that's that can happen. I've seen that more yeah. than once. You know, I've always said Glastonbury is a bit or well, any festival. But if it's, if it's your first one, it's a bit like a rites of passage. You know, you go and you can see a lot. But you know, I mean, if you in the first place, you're going to go and live in a, in in a field in what could be a muddy field in the rain and whatever, and you know, deprive yourself of sleep and food and all the home comforts and. 
I think you've got to be up for up for joining Greenpeace as well. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Get the tattoos, get the piercings, lose a couple of stone, but join Greenpeace while you're there. Yeah. But so, I, I, I've kind of been walking down memory lane lately. So there's been a lot of stuff about Woodstock, which you know, if you if you followed that one yeah, before, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a pretty sight, was it? And I just remembered things like back in the day of uh, the early festivals, late sixties, actually, Fun City and things like that. We went to all the Windsor Great Festival or Great Western Express. Some of those were like disastrous, but they were they were new and the spirit that was there then that brought people together feeling free the freedom of it yeah is still is still around today you know it's the fact that all those people can come out express themselves feel free feel that no one is kind of watching over them and saying you can't do this you can't do that you could do what you like really and there are people there to protect them in a way if they do kind of get a little bit wasted i mean that's still there and i think that's brilliant you know i think that's what that's 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 just great yeah no you can definitely sit out there i mean do you ever worry that there's too much kind of health and safety too much policing of events and it all gets a bit no because i mean people did say that when it all started to come into glastonbury you know but but in a way particularly if you talk to the women they said we feel safer and i think that's a major thing there is you can feel safer of course i mean everybody's buying their tickets with credit cards now so it's it's kind of changed the demographics in a way but you do find at least at glastonbury a lot of the people that are there um who are part of the production crews and the people putting it on and doing things are still the kind of the old school in a way which is to me is what that's still there you know when you meet them all in, in the same room which we do from time to time it's absolutely amazing you know those people are still in there giving it their, giving it their all you know yeah. and it shows that's incredible okay let's um let's just do, zoom out from festivals i know that you and me will think about festivals you know from now till christmas and and onwards because we've got um planning for next year and yeah yeah sweep it all from, up from um, 2019 but let's just talk briefly um, about green Greenpeace and their mission you know um, I mean you know there's plastic in every river there's you know the whole planet is kind of melting what 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 can people do about that how can people help you know from from the government down to men I don't know it's kind of really tricky I think the thing that, that we're having to do is keep the optimism which gets more and more difficult in a way because you know, when you look around the world on any given day, even in the Greenpeace, sort of, if you go on the Greenpeace like internet, international websites in, you know, whatever it is, 30 odd countries now, there's there's some absolutely horrendous things happening around the world, and there's horrendous things happening now in this country with with the politicians. I mean, we have to kind of deal with all shapes and sizes and all politicians in a way. You know, you can't be selective. So, I mean, the, the changes are going to have to come from from legislation. Uh, in a way and once even when that's passed the policing of it is what makes it difficult because they can they can legislate away all sorts of things but then if you go around and find that it's not no one's really policing it or making it happen or making sure it happens then you know then where do you go from there so the optimism is is hard but and but the solutions is what's gonna is is what we what we, what we work on as well as pointing out you know identifying pointing out researching and naming shame and blaming the sort of people that are that are doing the damage we're also working hard at what the solutions are because everybody knows it's in some ways the technological uh, fixes is what's going to help sure. uh, and that's what's going to speed things up but at the moment with what's going on around the world and in, in this country in particular at the moment it, it, it is it does sound pretty hopeless because uh, the people are pretty hopeless that are, kind of, <laughs> yeah. are doing it or trying to trying to you know, do anything about it where are that where are the, the new people standing up and to, which is why, to me, the kids are so important. They are tomorrow's world. They are the future. And there are decisions being made in their name that shouldn't be made now because they're going to have to suffer the consequences. And whether it's Greta in, you know, in America right now sort of talking about 
you know, get your act together, our house is on fire, or, or even in this country, you know, get over this Brexit bollocks, basically, and start dealing with the real issues, yeah. you know. Um, we have to get on it, we have to do it. Time time is running out, you know. And, you know, the Amazon's on fire right now and burning, and that's 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 horrendous, you know. There is more and more of the forest being destroyed for, for animal feed, for soya, for palm oil. You know, plastics is choking the oceans, you know, the, 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 everything's warming up. You know, let's get real and smell the coffee. It's like, you know, and at the same time, the politicians, which are supposed to be our leaders, I mean, a bunch of incompetences, you know, it's just like, it really... Wow, Bob for Prime Minister. You should do that on TV, on uh, Primetime TV, five minutes well, of that, and, and hopefully... I um, feel like Jonathan Pye sometimes, I'm a bit of a rant, you know, that uh, I'm as bad as hell, I'm not going to stand for it anymore, you know, sort of thing. I mean, but... It, More I mean, people have got to do that. They've got to stand up and they've got to shout, you know, OK, armchair environmentalists, fine, they'll say, you know, we'll support you, but we can't get out and do it, so you go and, you go and do it for us in a way, which... Up to a, a certain level is fine, but you want people to come out and get a little bit, get a little bit angry, but not violently angry. You know, it's non-violent direct action that we yeah. do. You know, which is our, our core values. But bearing witness, calling calling people out, because at the end of it, whatever's happening, whatever's happening in the world that's bad and wrong, when you get right down and right through it, you'll be looking at a person. You know, be looking them in the eyeballs, staring them in the eyeballs, and they're the people that are doing the damage. They are accountable. They should be accountable. At the moment, many of them aren't. You know, they're hiding behind all sorts of things, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, nature, or whether it's, you know, industry. They should be held accountable, and too many of them aren't. So this whole thing about ecocide, which is a, a, a law that will, in fact, you know, will, in fact, nail it on the people that you can find that are guilty and make them accountable. And, you know, let, let's get that Let's get that through. Mm. Let's get that in on, on the statute books. Let the United Nations put that one through. That would be amazing. That would stop some people in their tracks doing the damage that they're doing. Like mm. war criminals, you know, they, in the end, they are made accountable. Sure. That might take a long time. I mean, I'd, I'd take my hat off to you guys because just say the UK, America, China got their houses in order and then the Amazon, you know, is set fire to, then, you know, what? how does that globally, how do you deal with that? Who, what, what's, the, what's the solution? So, you know, like a global government that, yeah, can implement each Well, obviously things like the United Nations were supposed to do that and the more that gets kind of, you know... Less impact, or not listened to, or degraded, or whatever, or, or the fights go on there, and there's no real meaning, or there's you know, there's, you know, someone's got a veto, and it all goes out the window. You know, then I just think we've got to find other ways of doing it. You know, and people, people can help. People mm. can make a difference, and should make a difference, and will in the future make a difference. So, so how old is Greenpeace? Uh, Greenpeace is well. It depends who you talk to. It's either fifty next year or it's fifty the year after. But it's about the same age as Glastonbury, which celebrates fifty next year. Oh, that's nice. Time. Um, and started. I think I said this before, but it started with a, a concert given by Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and the late Phil Oaks to um, raise the money in Canada, a benefit concert that raised the money that bought the fuel that went in the first ship that went on the first ever Greenpeace campaign. That's amazing. So, so it's always some, had that musical. Uh, yeah, yeah, right through. There's been music connection right through Greenpeace, like, as far as I can remember, you know. Um, and uh, we're hoping maybe to to, to redo that that to that concert next year, maybe. Wow. And send maybe the Rainbow Warrior off on a on a, another mission, similar to what launched Greenpeace 50 years ago. Incredible. So if people do want to get involved, you know, they've, they've listened to you and they're fired up. They want to, have, you know, direct action, non-violent. 
peaceful, um, you know, positive action? How can they, where, yeah, where do they sign up? Fastest way, go to the website, yeah, www.greenpeace.org in the UK and, um, and, and, and join us, you know, join us, come out, join us. Definitely, we need you. There you go. Bob Wilson for president. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> joining us for the second time. And um, yeah, hopefully we won't do it a third time. But yeah, we'll be seeing you back out in the fields. Um, so yeah, check out uh, Greenpeace website, sign up, make sure you check them at the next year's festivals. And uh, yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you. And keep the faith. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.